If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. And if you've got the eye of a detective, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery adventure as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. You'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the Roaring Twenties. With more than a thousand scenes filled with clues, there's always something new to discover. You may even trek across the globe for your next lead. Every week, new chapters are added with new characters to meet and places to search. Plus, there are tons of fun, unique features to keep you entertained. From building your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings, to collecting scraps of information on each character to fill your photo album. You can even play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today, available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games. created a space where we can celebrate the unsung and the undervalued. A place where we focus on the many talents and influences for women within the culture in hopes to inspire women everywhere to overcome adversity in a male-dominated world. Welcome to Woman in Hip Hop. Welcome to Women in Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Jazzy Bell, and we are here with the numero uno, number one, the mother of a rap, okay? True. Listen, if you talk from the fuck you four plus one is in the building, how are you, Chirac? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And I'm glad to be on Inside Hollywood with Jazzy Bell. So what we going to do, we're going to talk <laughs> about it, right? We're going to yeah. talk about it for the women in hip hop culture. <laughs> Yes, let's talk about it. No, for sure. Now, um, prior to us just talking right now, you talked about being part of the uh, inception of yes, hip hop. Can we please go there? Take me back to the mid seventies where you started this whole mm-hmm. thing. The mother of right, talk to me right, this. right. So let let's talk about it. So, um, for your audience that don't know, you know, um, the culture of hip hop. Well, let's just say some of the elements of hip hop started, you know, in, in, in like 73, right? So then you had like, you know, the DJ Cool Herb, you know, he is the father of hip hop for whoever that don't know, you know, may, may have heard different types of stories about who is. He is the father of hip hop. He is the one who afforded the opportunity for young teenagers, you know, 13, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, 16 years old, up on up to 18, to have that ambiance to be able to go to the place to, you know, hear the type of music, you know, and, and, and break dance and just, just feel the type of music at that time. So when the elements was coming into place, for me, B-Boy and B-Girl was one of the elements that started off in that time. But I came into... Uh, the, the, uh, one of the elements of hip-hop culture as a B-girl in 1976. So in 1976, mm-hmm. along with other, you know, males that was out there, I used to travel all over New York City, especially with, within the Bronx, you know, because that was the primary source of, of hip-hop music and the type of beats and the cadence that were being played and that was garnered towards 
you know, the young teenagers. And so although you may, you may have like other, you know, DJs that were out there at the time, you had DJs that were playing disco music. They weren't playing the type of music that was catering to young teenagers to, to do up rock dancing, to do break, break dancings, or, you know, for your audience that, that don't know, that is called a B-girl and the B-boy. Now, you know, days they call it break dancing only because they were, we were breaking to the break beats of the songs, you know, back then. And yeah. so Cool Hurt was the one that were, were playing the type of beats that young teenagers, you know, would like to go to and hear, and then other DJs followed. Mm-hmm. So now, 1976, I'm going around to the parks. I'm in the street parks. I'm in, you know, the little uh, uh, centers that were giving um, uh, these these uh, parties for young teenagers, just going around, just breakdancing, just listening to the music along with other young teenagers at that time. Yeah. And so in late 1977, uh, I, I was going to Evander High School up in the Bronx, and they were passing out flyers for audition to be a part of a group. Now, this group was already established, which was called the Brothers Bow, but they wanted MCs. And so in late 1977, I tried out, you know, to become an MC. And at that time, you know, um, I transferred over to be a part of the first group, male group, to have an MC. And then in 1978, early 1978, my group, the Funky Four, the original Funky Four was formed. I became the first female MC of hip hop culture the first female MC to be a part of a male, a male group, right? So in 1978, um, we had, it was three different guys. It was KK Rockwell, it was Keith Keith, and it was myself. And then Raheem came along. Now for everybody that don't know, Raheem later on went to be a part of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. But myself, Raheem, KK Rockwell, and Keith Keith was the original Funky Four MCs. I only became the plus one more like in 1979, you know, 1979 where I had left then came back to the group. And when I came back to the group, I became the first female MC that was on the streets of New York that have had a record deal, you know, under Enjoy Records. And that's when we became the Funky Four Plus One. New, two, number, two new members came in. Raheem left to go over to the Furious Four at that time. And then they became the Furious Five. And then I came back to the Funky Four and I became the plus one more because they added two new members. And during that time, and we're talking about from 1977 to 1978, I made history by becoming that first female MC, by becoming, by, by changing the d- dynamics of females or how males will bring females into their groups, you know, to be able to deal with Shah Rock or have the same formula as the Funky Four plus one. So I was part of the, the, um, the, the era that where all the elements was coming together. Now, well, if you're talking about 1973, when, when like some of the elements was started, like the, the, uh, the B-girl and the B-boy, 1978 is the typical year because that is the typical year that the style and the cadence of the MCs were rhyming. I was a part of the era along with the Furious Five, I mean, the Furious Four at that time where how how MCs may rhyme now, you know, from the cadence and the style, and there it was no um, sixteen bars, it was no you know fifteen bars, it was thirty two, forty eight, fifty, a hundred. You go until your next counterpart came in, you know, and then they knew if they knew your rhyme and you had the cadence, you would have a cadence and the hooks to bring them in. So I was a part of the era that created the cadence. I was a part of the era that created the rap battles. 
I'm, a, I'm the first female MC to ever beat a part of any rap battle. And that was in like 1978, 1979 with the Furious Five. Well, we, it was the Furious Four and the Funky Four at that time. But then, you know, we were the ones who had created the rap battles of the, of the, of the styles of rhyming, of the going back and forth, of, or, or the showmanship, you know, or the, the cadence and the dance steps and all of that stuff on the, on the stage. I'm, I'm the first female MC to ever play in the Audubon Ballroom where Malcolm X got assassinated in 1970, uh, in 1965. He had assassinated, I'm the first female to see to ever play in the Audubon Ballroom in 1978. So there's a lot of first, and I'm saying this, to let your audience know, I know that y'all heard stories and I have much respect to all females out there because including yourself, we've all contributed to the culture, you know, to make the culture what it is. But it's like, when you're talking about the truth and you're talking about of all the elements and everything that came out today and all the stuff that you're, you're seeing now, you know, far as like the, green on the, the graffiti on the clothing, the rhyming, you know, styles and all that stuff. That's what I helped create it, you know, back in, in, in 1978, you know, in the early part of 78, because I came in, in 1977. Mm-hmm. And so I just like to clear up, you know, out of respect to every female that's out there, because I rock with everybody. I just want to let them know the history and the culture, because it's my history, it's their they history, whether or not they want to know it or not. It's my children's history, and it's, it's, it's Black culture history. I am the first female MC of hip-hop culture, and I'm not just telling you that. From cassette tapes, to videos, to footage, to actual um, uh, videos of me showing me in action. You know what I'm saying? In 1978, you could find it in Cornell University. You could find it in um, uh, Smithsonian Institute. You can find it on the internet. You know, I am the one. I am that female that set it off for every fe- every female MC that's out there today, whether or not they know it or they don't know it. But that's why I love that you're here because we're not trying to rewrite history. We're trying to write right. history. You know what I'm saying? Cause yes, ma'am. Misconceptions out there. So please feel free to set it straight. Now, what I did love, I saw... If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. By the old interview, where um, what I love about this whole inception of hip hop and you being the yes, ma'am. is yes, that ma'am. I, I didn't even know that the word hip hop really didn't even exist, or like the genre didn't even exist prior. To no, it didn't. It didn't. A jam, I think you said. It but was. it, but it, it existed inside our rhymes, even I, though, even though. We weren't calling all the elements, the B-girl, the B-boy, the graffiti, you know, the MC and the DJ. We weren't calling it hip-hop culture. We were still saying hip-hop in our rhymes. You know what I'm saying? We were still using that, that metaphor in our rhyme. However, it really wasn't until, you know, you had a, a cowboy from uh, uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five that had made a rhyme about, you know, his friend going you know, to the army and then he's go like, you know, the saying is that he was saying hip hop, hip, hip, hop, hip, hip, hop, and, uh, you know, you rock and don't stop, all of that stuff. And this is when, you know, people have begun to really, really start using it in Iran. But until African Bambada in the 80s had begun to take it, hip, all the elements, you know, and take it around the world. And because we were already saying hip hop, he just formed it as a word. And so he made it where, you know, it was like a culture, you know, and so in the 80s, that's when he began to say, okay, well, you know, all the stuff that we're doing is hip hop culture, 
you know, and this is how I know it. And this is, this is what happened. And this is why, even though, you know, people like to say, well, hip hop, you know, cause you have a lot of people that call themselves scholars, right? And they read other people's stories and they be like, well, it wasn't even hip hop back then. So why would you say you're, you're a hip hop culture? Because we were celebrating all the areas, just all, all the, um, the uh, elements of the culture. Mm -hmm. Right. So just because we didn't call it hip hop culture back then, we were calling it a jam or we just knew that all the elements that was there was a part of what we were already doing. So even though we didn't call it hip hop culture, we were still saying it in our rhymes and it wasn't to African Dambada went around the world and he started stressing that to everybody. But this is a part of our culture. This is hip hop, you know, and that's how that, that went down. And I know yeah. that um especially in the beginning as far as from what i read very connected with the zulu nation so african Bible, yes. you know was leading that and um i felt like i've heard who was the first person that actually put hip-hop in a song because i've heard that story be told and i i didn't hear african barbada so let me tell me that who was the first person that they say used hip -hop um in a song? let me see let me see i wouldn't say because uh, I don't even, I, um, I, I want to say, I don't know if the, the Sugar Hill Gang said it, mm. but I, I'm not quite sure. I, I don't even remember the, the rhymes, you know, but I don't even remember the rhymes. And I don't really, really know who, who the first put it in their songs. You know, um, I just know that, um, I just know the elements of how it went down. So I don't know if, I, I don't even know, I haven't even did the research on exactly who was the first to do it in their songs. Yeah. So I can't, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you that part, you know, I'm without going back to really check to make sure, huh? You know? I wish I could tell, no, I mean, cause I've had this conversation before, but I felt like I knew I was coming to interviews. So I was like, wait, I've always was told that it was one particular person that was the first one to put hip hop in their song. And that's why they will call him like the creator or father of hip hop. But I'll get back to you on that. Well, no, the only, the only one, the only one that started, the only, the father of hip hop is, is Cool Hurt and Cool Hurt never had a song. He was a DJ right. and um, um, Jazzy, because a lot of people, and, and let me tell you what's, what's going on, you know, out of respect to, to everybody. And I don't want to say this to, to, to make it seem as though, you know, I'm just really like, you know, um, a hater. I just like for people to understand and know, especially coming from a female perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, over the years, we're talking about coming up on 50 years in hip hop. I've been in hip hop now for 40, I've been in the hip hop game for 44 years, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that a lot of times people are not going to tell you they, they, you know, they get, you know, other people's story and they're really not going to tell you uh, what was going, go, uh, what really went down. You, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's all a money game. You know what I'm saying? And so the thing is, is that people are trying to push their brand and there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, you have to be mindful and you have to be thoughtful about what is really true. And what I've noticed about over the years is that people are trying to, you know, change the story to benefit them. But I have a problem with that because my thing is that, you know, when, when you know that it's not true and when you know this is not said, it is fact, it is your responsibility that if you hear someone quote something that is not right, you was like, hold on, wait a minute. You know, um, well, let me ask you this. So this other person is saying that. So what about that? How can you how can you answer that question or how could you say that is not true so over the years people have switched the story they have changed the story around you know even from people from my era you know but me i'm on my a game 
as far as knowing what was going on through my through my era and what was going on, I was on those streets. I was in those parks. You know, I don't smoke, I don't drink. I got a good memory. You know, especially when it comes to something that I know what what happened and what went down and how the culture you know started from my perspective. Because 1978, like I said, is a pivotal year when when the style of MCs hip-hop culture MCs, not just like rappers or disco DJs, you know, uh, disco MCs. 78 is the pivotal year of how the styling uh, format of MCs really, really begin and the cadence and all the, all the culture, I mean, all the elements really coming together, you know, in 78, you know. And, and so I'd like to clarify that, huh? And to, to touch on that, uh, people like uh, Rum DMC, MC Light, they talk about the style echo chamber. Talk to me about that and what that is like they credit you for giving yes. that cadence that you're talking about that style of rap yes, so yes. Uh, please explain what that was so to your audience an echo chamber is just like a reverb right and okay. so this is what i was known for now my group was known for it too but this is what i was known known for my um manager at the time was my dj's brother the manager at the time that had you know, helped to create the Brothers Disco and the Funky Four was was a part of that organization. They they were the Brothers Disco was like the support for the Funky Four, and so we as young teenagers, we never got paid from you know like the shows. Even though you know back then we had the shows pack to pack, back to back, all of that stuff. Shows was like two dollars, three dollars, one dollar to get in, right? And so what we would do is that even though we had the shows packs with thousands of people or the, or the streets or the parks that people would come from all over. Yes. When we were inside in the winter time and we were giving shows, you know, at the, you know, the different venues, mm -hmm. all the money that we made at the door, we would invest back into our system. So with that said, we had the baddest system in New York city. Now you have other people that had good systems, but we had systems, uh, 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 you know, like systems uh, uh, that was like totally different. We had garbage, garbage cans that we made out of speakers, you know, that you could hear 10 blocks down. You know, we had highs and lows and all the trembles and all of this stuff of speaker stands where you can hear 10 blocks down. And so what we used to do was invest in it. And one of the things that we invest in was the echo chamber. And so whenever I would get on or the Funky Four would get on, my uh, manager, Jazzy G, he knew my rhymes. Yeah. So what he would do is that every rhyme that I would say, he would put a reverb on the last couple of words. And he would, yeah, like, say for instance, I was like, yes, yes, y'all, yes, yes, y'all, yes, y'all, yes, y'all, yes, y'all. He would, he know my rhyme to the T and he would put a reverb on it so it can echo what I was saying. Yeah. And so, right. And so even though the other guys was doing it too, I had mastered it. And, and my, um, my uh, 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 manager actually mastered my rhymes. And so I was a part of the era of the cassette tape era where they have mixtapes. I started, I helped to create the cassette tape era, which is exactly like mixtape, but only it was on cassette tapes. So when you talk about people like DMC hearing me on the echo chamber, these tapes were traveling all over New York City. They were all up in Connecticut. They was in Washington. And so when they would hear me on the, uh, uh, you know, on the mic and I'm doing a rhyme to all the, the break beats that I was rhyming to, I would always have the echo chamber behind my voice. So mm -hmm. this is what people used to come to the parties to be able to hear me rhyme along with the funky 
before as well as echo chambers. And so I think um, one, one day I, I was doing a Sirius X had gave my own radio back in, uh, back in I think it was me. 2014, something like that. So I did it, and and um, uh, uh, DMC was he had his own uh, own show. He was doing an interview, and he heard that I was in the other. One second, Shada. Wi-Fi is tend to be messing up right now. Can you hear me? On the the tape that he sent me. He's, he stated that, you know, I... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, you know, was the one who had influenced them to, to put the echo behind their voices when they heard my tapes. Right. And then they said, okay... Yeah, right, right. So they told Jam Master J, their DJ, to say, okay, when we go into the studio, you, you, you put all this together, I want you to make me sound like Shah Rock on the echo chamber, which, you know, not as a female, but as the, 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 the timing of the echo chamber and how I would, you know, rhyme to the rhymes in the echo chamber would catch my, my rhymes, you know. And so I think that's what it's like. Some folks don't stop till they find the truth. June's Journey is a roaring 20s murder mystery hidden object game. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android or iOS devices and on PC through Facebook games. So if you guys are listening, she just said she is the one that influenced the... Uh, I did. Run, yes, the great run DMC. The I, look, that's not what I say. That's what, that's what DMC say. That come out of his mouth. So to your audience, I, I, I'm trying to be respectful, but that's what he said. And I didn't know at the time that you know, um, I had influenced them into to putting the um, echo chamber behind their voices when they, they did their songs for the Tough Tough the Leather album. Yes, ma'am. The leather, Tough and the Leather, yes. So see, I yes. say that just so people can understand, you know, your influence, your impact, and the, your story, you know, and the yes. importance of your presence in hip hop. That's what this whole interview is about. Um, yes, ma'am. So congratulations on your 40th anniversary. I believe it was February 14th in 1981. Yes. 1981 is when you appeared on SNL and you were the first female rapper to appear on national television. Thank you. Rapping, Thank you. Mike busted the mic. So listen, we can dispute this all day long, which I don't think is a dispute. Everyone that I ask, they give you your props. And we'll we'll talk further about well, you know, some people don't know. Some people don't know. Yeah. We'll, some we'll pe- talk about all of that. Okay, okay but, great. But the point of this interview is that I want people to know, you know, and <laughs> 40 years ago, 40 years ago, just a couple of weeks ago, February 14th, is yes, when you on SNL with um, your group, the Funky Four Plus One with um, Blondie. Talk to me Mm -hmm. about that. Take me to that moment, how that all came into fruition for you. So Jazzy, to your audience, what happened was, um, (laughs) we were on the first rap tour ever. And this is back back in like, what, 1980, 82, 84. We were on the first rap tour ever, right? And the first rap tour ever was, Sugar Hill Records because we were signed to Sugar Hill Records at the time. So we were out there with um, uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, 
of course, the Funky Four, Sequence, Angie B. A lot of y'all know them as Angie Stone. We were on tour together. She, that's, that was like my best friend, you know, and all that stuff. So we were out there together with the Gap Band, with Sky. Then there was a, a, a tranquility guy that was out there too, Wayne and Charlie. So we were touring states all over. And so what happened was while we were out there on tour, we had gotten a call from uh, the label and they were saying, listen, um, Deborah Harry, which is from the group Blondie, she's hosting Saturday Night Live. And she wants y'all to perform, you know, on Saturday Night Live. Now, Deborah Harry knew about Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. She could have went to them and she could have got them. The thing was, is that she wanted the Funky Four. Why? Because even though we were on the streets together with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, we had a different element. We were always, um, how can I, we were family but we were always, um, you know, c- competing against each other. Like but friendly, but one of the, you said what? You like said what? Friendly, like a friendly competition. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't friendly when we were on that stage. We just we went for bros. We was battling. You know what I'm saying? We were MC battles, so we would work hard to be able to, you know, um, not in a disrespectful battling way, but in in cadence and rhyme format. You know, and 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 the lyrical type styles of the way that we would do. We would you know perform. You know, with showmanship. And yeah. so what happened was we we was out there and um they asked us to come back and be on the show. So she could have gotten Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, but she chose the Funky Four because I was a female. Plus we looked innocent. We were young, you know, looked innocent. And she wanted the world to see what we were doing back in the Bronx or back in New York City. And so when she brought us, brought us you know, uh, well, when Sugar Records brought us back in, we went on Saturday Night Live on Valentine's Day. And at that time, we didn't know it because we were already hood stars in our, uh, you know, in our perspective area in New York City, from New York to Washington to Connecticut, you know, to all over. We were already like street stars back then. But for us, being on Saturday Night, Night, Live, Night Live, we didn't know at the time that we were going to be making history. I didn't know at the time that we were going to be making history by becoming the first hip hop group ever on national television and me becoming the first female MC ever on national TV. And so I didn't realize that until years and years later that we actually made history because we weren't looking, we weren't looking at it from that perspective. We was looking at it for look, we we out here, we rocking. So now people will be able to know us outside of New York City of how we was holding, you know, this culture down. So now people around the world could see what we were doing back in, in, in New York City, you know. And so we made history and, and we didn't realize what we were doing at the time until years and years later. Because you were just doing what you love. Yes. It's amazing to hear that because yes, ma'am. hip-hop started in the streets and it's all about being known, you know, within your, even if it's your five-block radius, that's just good enough starting off, you know. Right, right. But we all had right. a TV. You had a TV then. You was on the Tizu. When you knew you was about to be on the Tizu. <laughs> but we still, we, it didn't it click. Didn't it didn't, no, no, it didn't click. It did not click yeah. because this, wow. Jazzy, this was what we was doing. You wow. know, for your audience, your audience that's listening, you know, when you hear a female, and I'm not talking about the females. Okay, so let's go back. So when you hear somebody say that they the first female MC, right? Of course, people had time to change the story, and maybe not now. They're not saying it, right? 
mm-hmm. but but some still say, well, I was out there with Sharab. The the th- the difference is between me and a, like a, a lot of other females that came in my era. I'm over. I'm on almost over 500 flyers, which meaning that I was booked. We booked our own shows. We we were booked, you know, in every borough, you know, three times a night, maybe, you know, in every state. And so I'm on more flyers than any other female that can even come close to during the inception of hip-hop on up until about 1984. I'm on... So many flyers, I'm on, uh, the, and the flyers was our way of communication. It yeah. was our way to show, you know, um, the party goes, this is where we're going to be at this week. This is where we're going to be at next week. And this was our only form of communication besides ca- cassette tapes. Because, you know, um, the radio at that time, they wasn't interested in what we were doing in the streets. They didn't care about what we was doing in the streets until they realized in 1979 when there was a pivotal, that was another pivotal time. 1979 was the year that records came out. And I was the first female MC. Now, even though you may have had other, a couple of other um, uh, MCs and groups that came out with songs in 1979 of the year that I came out with, once again, the difference is, is that I didn't come out making records. I was already on the streets, building the culture of hip hop. Right. So I was already building. Is that where the discrepancy kicks in? Because of the records were put out and it was a female that was out record wise prior to you, even though you were doing your thing and the footwork in the streets. Is, was, is that the thing? Uh, I don't know about that being a discrepancy. You know why? Because I, I had a song out too in 1979. Okay. You understand? The Funky Four. We made the longest hip-hop song ever. Our song was, even though the Sugar Hill Gang came out with their song in 1979, and they came out, like, um, I think it's September, we came out with our song in November, right? But the thing is, is that the difference is, is that I was on the streets. So I cannot say that I was, like, just in the rap game. I was on the streets of hip-hop culture that helped create this culture, a founding member of this culture, and, and also made a record in 1979. You understand what I'm saying? Along with some other females that made a record in 1979. And it was, it was a thrill. I mean, it, was, it wasn't that many. Can you tell me who they were? I mean, I know earlier you spoke to us about, you know, the sequence. And- well, the sequence, yeah. The sequence, the sequence had um, Funk You Up in 1979. And then you had Lady B. Lady B. I don't know if you're familiar with Lady B, but I, I have to commend her because Lady B is from Philly. And even at the time, a lot of people in Philly didn't know because they assume Lady B was the first female MC of hip hop because that's who they heard because she came out with a record. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? But yeah. until, you know, people started talking, because back then, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't even look at myself as the first female MC of hip hop culture, you know, because it's what I did. But when I started seeing the narrative being changed, I was like, hold up. No, I was out you, before. You can't, no, uh-uh. So now, right, so no, no, you're changing the narrative. So before I... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, I just let it because I know what I did. And I thought that because the information was out there, the cassette tapes was out there, you know, the, the flyers was out there and the visuals, visuals out there that people knew. 
But I, even in social media, they still didn't know. And then you had people changing the narrative. So I had to school people and I say, listen, okay, yeah. You know, people, they came out with a song in 1979 and I did too. But I am the first female MC of hip hop culture. I wasn't, I didn't come in rapping, you know, even though I had a song out in 1979, just like a lot of other people did. I didn't come in as a rap artist. I came in as a, a, a person from the, the era of hip hop culture that helped created the hip hop culture that was a founding member of the hip hop culture. So that's the difference. I lived it, I worked it. I was on them streets, I was on them parks, I was moving the crowd, I was moving the crowd forward, introducing the culture to, the, to, to everybody that was in New York City. You know what I'm saying? For every borough that we're here, you know? Yeah. I, I, like I told you, I played at over 500 different um, venues that no other females have the, 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 the stats to ever say that they did, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, stand in your truth. So I'm not just saying it, I have proof. Yeah, and stand... With and respect to everybody else, you know? You yeah. very, you very yeah. respectful. That, that's what I love, too. It's not like I don't want people to get it mis, you know, understood as far as, like, your passion behind what it is that you contributed. And that's really what I hear. I don't hear anything other than passion and facts and you speaking, you know, your truth. Right, and, right. You know. But um, another thing that I would love to talk to you about is because you mentioned at that time with SNL 40 years ago, again, I had to say congratulations. That is such a Thank huge you. feat. Such a huge feat. Thank you. And to even hear you say, you didn't even know how big that was then. Right. And, and I'm That's so true. I'm so happy that you're getting your flowers now for people to understand that, that you did that 40 years ago. Yes, ma'am. First one to yes, do it. So kudos to you. Um, talk to me about Sugar Hill Records. Um, Sylvia Robinson uh, was- Girl. <laughs> You know why you gonna make my you gonna make my eyes roll back in my head and you be trying you just said I was respectful. You know what I'm saying? But I'ma try to tell you. <laughs> Woo, let me stop it right there. Listen, everyone that's tuning in, please check out part two going down next week here on Woman in Hip Hop with the mother of hip hop, MC Shyrock. I created a space where we can celebrate the unsung and the undervalued. A place where we focus on the many talents and influences for women within the culture in hopes to inspire women everywhere to overcome adversity in a male-dominated world. Welcome to Woman in Hip Hop. Some folks don't stop searching till they find the truth. And if you've got the eye of a detective, June's Journey is the game for you. Play as June Parker in a gripping murder mystery adventure as you find hidden objects to help solve her sister's death. You'll hunt for clues in hundreds of beautifully illustrated scenes set in the roaring 20s. With more than a thousand scenes filled with clues, there's always something new to discover. You may even trek across the globe for your next lead. Every week, new chapters are added with new characters to meet and places to search. Plus, there are tons of fun, unique features to keep you entertained. From building your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings, to collecting scraps of information on each character to fill your photo album. You can even play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Find your first clue by downloading June's Journey today. Available on Android and iOS mobile devices, as well as on PC through Facebook games. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. 
Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs>